Hey, good morning. Welcome, everybody in this room. Hello, everybody in this room. Hey, welcome, everybody who's joining us online via the live stream. We're so glad that you're here and participating. Uh, we are going to share communion towards the, the end of the teaching time today. So if you're at home, I encourage you to grab some elements, grab a cup, grab a bread or a bread-like substance. Um, when we look in Scripture, we see Jesus using materials that normal average people would have had around the house. So we think it's more likely that Jesus was starting a movement that involved uh, ordinary people who could multiply what they were doing, more likely that than he was creating a movement where people became dependent on somebody who would provide for them some very specific uh, elements and and uh, and go through very specific rituals. It seemed to be a simple meal amongst uh, ordinary people that Jesus initiated, and and that's the way it continued. So that's the way we continue it here. So if you're someone who says, "Yes, I believe." that Jesus died on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven. I believe his body was broken for me. His blood was shed for me to make a new covenant, a new agreement between God and humanity. And I receive that forgiveness and I want to live as a part of that covenant. If you put your faith in Jesus and call yourself a disciple, then we invite you to join in on that time of communion that's going to happen later during this teaching time. We are in a series called Things Are Going to Be Different because the rate of change in the world around us is uh, increasing exponentially. And it can be difficult to find a foundation, find um, a, a place to stand, to have your roots deep enough that as the world is swirling around you, that you, instead of being someone changed by the world, can be a world changer. We call that maturity. The scripture calls it perfection. We think of it as a, a, a process of uh, growing more and more like Christ, a transformation. So although change is inevitable, transformation is intentional. That's the series we're in. And if anybody's coming to mind who you think this would really resonate with, or I'd like to be in a discussion with them about this, if there's someone who you think would, uh, would fit in, in in a situation like you're in right now, and you want to invite them to... to Hey, sit at a table with me on a Sunday morning sometime. Or if you're online, hey, come on over. Let's enjoy this teaching together and let's have a discussion together. Then I want to encourage you to do that. And if there is someone who you're thinking of who would not step foot into a churchy situation, uh, I can coach you in a way to uh, help that person discover God's word in a different way. We just two weeks ago had a new discovery group launch in the household of someone 
who we've served in, uh, in Backyard Missions. And a, a discovery group is different from a small group. A small group is uh, God's people gathering around God's word in order to do God's will. But it's generally people who are already connected to the church. A discovery group is people who aren't connected to any church necessarily, who are discovering who Jesus is by opening God's word, by responding in obedience and by sharing um, what they're learning. So this new discovery group started up, and I, I, it's so much fun. It's such a, uh, a, it's such a different atmosphere uh, and, and so energizing to be with people who are discovering the real Jesus uh, in, in Scripture. If that's something that you want to learn more about, then send a note in, in the chat. Talk to me afterward. Uh, I'd love to talk to you more about what that looks like and how you can help facilitate something like that happening in your own circle of friends. This is the first week of New Day Small Groups. No, second week of New Day Small Groups. I'm like, boy, they, they're in my small group and I just saw them at their house last week. Uh, second week of small groups. It's not too late to plug in. We have small groups that meet in homes, small groups that uh, we have options for meeting here in this space, meeting online. Um, Rachel is over here. She is the person to talk to about what the options are and how to do that. And she is also the person moderating the chat. So you can get in contact with her because we know transformation happens in the context of conversation and application and small groups provide the setting for both of those things. Before we jump into today's teaching, let's pray together. God, I pray that we would have hearts and minds that are open to you, minds that are created by you. Uh, we're, we're going to be learning some things, God, that, um, uh, yeah, we see in Scripture and also some things that, uh, that, that we're discovering about the amazing ways that you have created us. I pray that we would be in awe and amazement at who you are, at what you've done. And God, may your face shine upon us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I don't know if you realize this. I mean, think about who you were 15 years ago. Now, I know for those of you who aren't 15 years old yet, it's a little bit difficult to do that. Um, think of who you were 15 years ago. And I can tell you, based on scientific evidence, that you are literally a completely different person. Physically. Now, God has created our bodies to renew themselves. The same cells that are in your body now are not the same cells that were there 15 years ago. You have been completely physically renewed. Now, there are a lot of things about you that are not different from what they were 15 years ago. You remember things from 15 years ago. You know who you are. That whole transition of all those cells makes it that much more important. I mean, just think about the importance of your brain remembering who you 
are, remembering your identity. It's constantly having to remind itself who you are because if it was only about the physical you, you'd be completely different. From day to day, your brain remembers who you are, your identity. In fact, this process is so important that it's in the deepest parts of your brain's operation. Like, you don't have to consciously think about telling your heart every time it's supposed to beat, right? There are systems, though, in your mind that are telling your heart to keep beating. There is a system in your mind that tells you who you are six times every second. It's scanning, rescanning. It's deciding, figuring out, remembering, keeping continuity about who you are, your identity. That's what your brain is doing right now. And it's picking up clues to say, okay, this is who I am and this is where I fit. I think that's fascinating. Uh, One of the ways that our brain picks up clues is it looks for, and this is something that starts from the time we're born, it looks for joy. Now, sometimes we think of joy as just like happiness or, uh, or, or, or something. This is a, a critical part of who you are and how you got to be who you are. We can pretty much, like, tell when someone is uh, happy to see us, right? Like, you can walk into a room and you can, it's fun. I'm looking around at faces right now, and sometimes uh, uh, I feel like I'm just on the TV screen. I'm not actually in a room of actual people, because sometimes I look people in the eye, and there's no response. But I'm looking people in the eye right now, and I'm seeing there's some smiles, there's some, there's some giggles. There's some, you know, we can kind of tell. How do we tell when someone's happy to see us? We can tell by their faces. That facial communication is critically important in communicating joy, which is critically important in establishing who we are and where we fit. When we recognize that someone is glad to be in our presence, our brain tells our body to respond with joy, dropping inhibitions and defenses. Our muscles relax, smiling, moving, sometimes even singing, dancing, connecting in celebration. Joy helps us develop our identity, our understanding of who we are and where we fit. And this is really important to talk about as we expand our understanding of transformation and and character development. The part of our brains that manages conscious thought that you're using right now as you're listening to me and you're processing what I'm saying and you're going, where's he going with this? Who is playing uh, in the NFL today? I already saw the Packers. They didn't play, but I saw them. And like your your conscious mind is thinking, 
these thoughts, but the part of our brain that manages conscious thoughts, it, it can create these logical arguments to figuring out why it's better for us to operate a certain way in a certain situation. You can decide in your conscious thought, I'm going to eat healthier and exercise more. And then something happens. Life happens too fast for that conscious thought to truly cause an inside-out transformation. For real transformation, we need to operate within the part of our brains that is writing and rewriting our identity. Now, does that mean we turn off conscious thought? No, it just means that we've got to find a way to get deeper than that kind of surface level. Joy is how we open the door. Joy prepares our minds for character transformation. Faces are how we understand joy. And that is what neuroscientists have discovered over the last few decades, which is consistent with what we've seen in Scripture for thousands of years. I love it when science catches up to God. I mean, it didn't actually catch up, but caught up to some of the things that God says. So let's talk. Let's look in Scripture. Let's talk about joy, and let's talk about God's face. Joy is important for your identity. Faces are how you experience joy. It's what opens your mind to joy. And what we see in Scripture is God's face. Now, not a physical face. But over and over in Scripture, hundreds of times, we read about the face of God and the presence of God. And if you read the Old Testament and read the word, the presence of God, the same Hebrew word that we translate presence is also translated into English as face. They're the same thing, the same concept. So if you're in God's presence, the idea is his face is towards you. We see a great example of this language in the priestly blessing that God prescribes in Numbers chapter 6. Starting in verse 22, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and to his sons saying in this way, you shall bless the sons of Israel. You are to say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you peace. This blessing is a picture of living in a right relationship with God. To be in the kind of relationship where you're in his presence and you feel his face shining on you. And scripture is saying, do this repeatedly. Make this blessing. Say it over and over again. Remind people that it's important to live in the presence of God with his face shining on you. Now, as you imagine that, think about Jesus came so that your sins could be forgiven, so you could be spotless, white as snow, so that God could 
look on you and that you would be unashamed. Imagine the Heavenly Father welcoming you into his presence with a face that's shining on your direction. The psalmist equated that feeling with joy. Psalm 1611. You will make known to me the way of life. And and that's what we want, right? We want God to make known to us the way of life. We want a full life. We don't want the... Uh, the, the uh, oh, I'm sorry, as I get older, I forget words. If it's not real money, it's counterfeit. We don't want the counterfeit kind of life that the world wants to press us into. We want the full, meaningful life today, here, and hereafter. You will make known to me the way of life in your presence. It's that Hebrew word that could also be translated face. In your presence, in in your face is fullness of joy. This is more than an intellectual acknowledgement of God's presence. Because like anybody can say, right? Yes, I know, God is everywhere. God is everywhere. This is the psalmist taking time to reflect and experience the feeling of joy that comes with being in the presence of God. What if you don't? Feel the presence of God. In their book, The Other Half of Church, the subtitle of that is Christian Community, Brain Science, and Overcoming Spiritual Stagnation. The Other Half of Church by Jim Wilder and Michael Hendricks, they have some suggestions for experiencing the joy of God's presence in our lives today. They suggest that as a community, we face each other. Now, things are going to be different in the world. We want things to be different in us. We want a more Christ-like character all the time. Discipleship is disciplining us to be more like Christ. So transformation will happen. Things are going to be different in the world. Things are going to be different in us. And that's why things are different at New Day. Because we used to keep the lights low. We assured people that they wouldn't be put on the spot. You didn't have the, the awkward greet your neighbor time. Stand up and turn to the person next to you and... Say a phrase. The first time I went on sabbatical, I went. I visited uh, a, a number of different churches, and um, th- they changed the phrases. Um, so I, I felt a little bit silly because, like, they gave a, a specific greeting, and I was like, "Okay, I've heard this one," and I gave the response, and I was wrong. Oh, I felt so dumb. So we don't do that. We don't prescribe and, and put people in that situation. We, we haven't done that. We're going to start today. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to start today. 
Well, what we decided to not do that. Let's keep the lights low. Let's not put any. Let's not make anybody turn because we don't want to ruffle the feathers. Of we know that there are some people who are introverts or some people who have social anxiety. We don't want them to feel like they don't uh, have have a place to be. We don't want to freak them out and scare them away. Now these days things are different. We let the light. In. We sit at tables with chairs that face each other. We set aside time for conversation. And this face-to-face connection engages our brains and our bodies in a way that simply listening to a sermon online cannot. It opens us up to the idea that, that we're accepted, that we belong, that As we're in the presence of God's people, people's faces shining on us, we get a sense that we are in the presence of God, God's face shining through them. So what about the introvert and the socially anxious? Have we said, well, too bad for you? No, we invite people... Yeah, sit at a table. Sit with your people, though. Sit with people who you're comfortable with. Bring the people who you're comfortable with. And if this space, if coming into a place like this is just too much for you, gather with your people wherever you find it to be comfortable. Connect with the live stream, which includes time for conversation wherever you are and with whomever you're most comfortable. So face each other is something that they recommend in the book. And I'm reading this book, and they're saying, you know, um, it's kind of hard to experience joy when you're sitting in dark rows looking at the back of people's heads. And I thought, oh, hey, this is kind of affirming. That was nice. Face each other. Another thing that we can do in the context of community is practice gratitude. Now, this was another affirming thing because for a couple of years now, the pattern in our small groups has been starting our time together by hearing from everyone something that you're thankful for from the past week. We're practicing gratitude. Uh, We do that in our our weekly staff meetings. It's fun because even though we've been doing it for years now, you still get to that point and go, oh, right. I got to think of something to be thankful for. It's something we need to practice. We need to keep doing it until it becomes second nature to live lives of gratitude. We're training ourselves to watch for ways, this is what gratitude does, to watch for ways that God is present and involved in our lives. So as we face each other, as we practice gratitude, we have a chance to enjoy God together. And there are some things that you can do on your own. You can connect gratitude to feeling joy in God's presence, even on your own. Take a moment right now. Take a moment to think about a time when you felt like you were in the presence of God. Some memory 
that you are grateful for. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was 10 years ago. A memory that you're grateful for. Put yourself back there. Consider the sensations in your body as you relive it. And I know, especially for my staunch theological friends, this sounds real squishy. It sounds real like fluffy, new agey. I get it. At the same time, I've been in seasons where I feel far from God. And I know that other people go through that too. And knowing intellectually that God is near is not enough to address that feeling. I know it's true that he's near, and yet he still feels far. So what Wilder and Hendricks suggest is that we all take time to reflect on those moments in our lives, uh, moments that they call grateful memories, and then make a title for each memory as you do and list 10 of them. Like sit down, think about memories, make a list of 10, start a catalog, and they suggest that you not write, don't journal about each of those things. And here's why. It's that difference between that that rational, logical part of your brain and that deeper part of your brain that's writing your identity, that's really taking more cues from what your body is feeling and what you're experiencing than it is from what your logic is thinking. So they say, don't write a long journal. Just give it a title. And let it be more about the images, the smells, the sounds, the feelings that your brain has stored about those times and experience them as the Lord blessing you and keeping you, making his face to shine upon you, being gracious to you, raising his face to you and giving you his peace. I did that exercise last week. It was really good. Some of the memories surprised me. One of them happened uh, just over Labor Day weekend when Michelle and I set up camp chairs in a, a lake, just a shore, just a shallow part, sat in the water and had a peanut butter and jelly picnic. I felt rested and restored. Uh, one was... A lot of these involve Michelle. This was uh, Michelle and I and Mark and Rachel when we walked into Galaxy's Edge at Disney World. I felt awe and wonder. I became a kid again. It was uh, was amazing. Uh, One of my memories was just me alone at Cathedral Woods in eastern Wisconsin, feeling small next to these towering white pines that are hundreds of years old. It just gave me, like, perspective. I added uh, an 11th to my list last Saturday. I drove with my son Preston to Wisconsin Rapids. Uh, He had a, a cat that had recently deceased, and... He needed a ride to uh, go to where his 
cat would be cremated. And now you might think about this and think, well, wait, that is a time of joy? And I will tell you, it's not a time of happiness. And there is a difference between happiness and joy. Joy is, uh, uh, it's kind of unique and powerful in that it can exist alongside other feelings. So for, for us, no, it wasn't a happy time. It was uh, a, a time of gratitude to share that time with my son. Yes, it was, it, there was sadness and there was mourning. There was also togetherness. I felt like God's face was shining on us as he protected us and kept us and gave us his peace on that journey to and from Wisconsin Rapids. So at New Day, we're nurturing a culture where we experience the joy of God's presence, his face shining on us as we face each other and we practice celebrating together and uh, on our own and in community, gratitude to God. So in a rapidly changing world where our brains are writing and rewriting our identity six times per second, we want to be people who see the face of God and experience joy in his presence and include that in our identity, include that in where we fit. What does joy have to do with character development in, in inside-out transformation? Let's see it all come together. We're going to look at a passage in the book of Hebrews where the writer was just using a lot of ink to uh, write out examples of people of faith, kind of a collection, a list of examples. And then the writer tells us why it's important to picture those examples, to picture those faces. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, picture those faces. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. My son Isaiah was a long-distance runner. We'd go to many, as many meets as we could. And cross-country meets, you, uh, you, it's not, you don't sit in the stands. You go to different points in the race where you'll be able to see people. So you kind of run ahead, and then you wait for them, and then you see him coming. And, and some of you um, who uh, don't know Michelle uh, really well you know, might maybe think of her as somebody who's kind of quiet and shy. Well, you haven't been to a race with her. She shouts. She cannot contain herself. She will tell you that. When her son is coming, when she sees his face, she is shouting. She wants to encourage him to give his all, even when he feels like he has nothing left in the tank. I think that's the picture that the Spirit of God is painting for us here. Remember, character is basically facing the right direction and moving in that direction consistently until it becomes second nature. God has a path for us. The race God has set 
before us. He has a path for you. Jesus is calling us to follow him. So don't give up walking the path that seems unnatural at first, cutting the thickets away, dropping the weights of your old habits. Go! Go! A huge crowd of witnesses has gone ahead of you, and they are cheering you on. But how do we even begin on the path of maturity and health and wholeness, the life of faith that makes me a world changer, that makes you a world changer instead of somebody conforming to the world. The writer of Hebrews continues in verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Why did Jesus do the thing he preferred not to do? And he preferred not to go to the cross. He prayed to God, to God the Father, take this from me. He preferred to not go to the cross. Why did he do it anyway? For the joy that was set before him. like a firefighter who rushes into a burning building that other people are running out of to save someone so that a family can stay whole for the joy. Jesus knew the joy of the Heavenly Father's face shining on him. He knew the love that he felt for the people around him. He knew the love that they felt for him, and he didn't want it to be interrupted. He wanted the faces to shine on each other into eternity for the joy set before him. So what's going to transform our lives so that we aren't conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds? What's going to motivate us to make our bodies living sacrifices that are pleasing, uh, uh, an act of worship to God? The joy, the joy set before us. And when you can't think of any reason to be grateful to God, and when you don't feel the joy of his presence, Maybe you have some work to do in the way of intentionally expanding your capacity for joy. And the writer of Hebrews says that starts by putting your eyes on Jesus. Now maybe you're going to need some help from friends, family, even a professional counselor to discover what might be blocking your joy. No matter where you are, a good step is for all of us to join together to look towards Jesus. So let's take some time right now to reflect and then share communion to remember him together. So take a few minutes right now to consider God's face shining on you. What is he teaching you today and what are you willing to do about it? And then we're going to reconnect 
and share communion together. Anyone who has heard the good news that God sent his son um, so that you wouldn't have to perish alone, apart, away from his presence for eternity. He loved you so much he sent his son so that you could have eternal life in a right relationship with him in his presence by your sins being forgiven, by the death of Jesus. And by rising to new life as Jesus was resurrected, if your hope, if your faith is in that reality, then we invite you to take the bread and the cup together today. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, we read Paul the Apostle saying, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
with gratitude. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Let's remember Jesus as we take the cup together. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray. God, thank you. Even if we have a hard time thinking of things to thank you for and reasons to be grateful we turn our eyes to Jesus and remember the sacrifice he made, not because he preferred it, for the joy set before him, the joy of relationship, of community, of love with you, the Father, and with us. I pray, God, that we would live lives of greater joy as you teach us to do that, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to go into a time of discussion. Uh, if, if a grateful memory came to mind, this is a great time to share that. Something specific that you feel like God is teaching you and what you are willing to do about it this week. Maybe it is that uh, gratitude exercise. Maybe it's sign up for a small group. I'm not here to tell you how to apply. Listen for God and follow him in obedience. And let me send you into those discussions with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. We'll catch up with you next week as we continue learning how things are going to be different. Thank you.